Well, hello, and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. A um, couple of things we want to, I want to, I'd like to discuss uh, with you this week, or maybe just kind of put into your minds just as a consideration. Um, first of all, I've noticed over the last week um, a number of people um, putting themselves forwards as experts, uh, experts for workshops, experts for teaching, experts in knowledge. And it just made me question, what what makes an expert, particularly within the creative industries um, which we're involved with? You know, I always see it as creative industries rather than just purely photography because our collaborations and our interactions may well be with graphic designers, publishers, uh, broadcasters, various other people who are going to work with us, perhaps with sound, with post-production, printers. You know, it's it's a multifarious community here. We're not just photographers, um, and I suppose that's a real key factor in a photographic life. Actually, is that reflection upon those kind of collaborations and relationships. Anyway, so this idea of expert, I suppose, if I was to come to it from my personal Um, understanding of what an expert is. It very closely relates to my uh, relationship, I suppose, with music. And I don't think it can be denied the importance of music to photography, to image making, and that kind of uh, synthesis between the two. If we go back to the days of the darkroom, um, the the constant friend within that red-lit dark space was often a radio or a cassette player or a CD player. Music, basically, the radio, I suppose, which today would be podcasts as well as radio. But um, also music, and somehow or other stuck in my mind, I always had this romantic ideal that when I was in the dark room, I should only listen to jazz. And that way I would be able to kind of um, channel the creative and the technical abilities of people like Eugene Smith. Um, a romantic ideal, but I, but I am aware of many photographers of a certain age to whom jazz was their constant companion uh, through the printing process. Anyway, that idea of music, I suppose, and what I'm talking about expertise is when it comes to music... Uh, I always really want to hear from the person who made the music. I'm a huge fan of, some of you may know, follow me on Twitter, of Bob Dylan. Um, And I want to hear what Dylan says about his work. Not that he says very much, but when he does, it's always incredibly insightful. I'm not really that interested in what other people are telling me what Bob Dylan is thinking or what Bob Dylan meant by this or what this means. Um, I'm not really that interested in other people's interpretation. I'm interested in the creator's interpretation. And therefore, I often read interviews with photographers. And in fact, I'm reading a couple of books at the moment, one with artists uh, in London in the 1960s and the Aperture Interviews book of interviews with photography. So I'm always interested in hearing what the person who created it or created the work has to say. As far as that goes, for me, they are the expert on what they are talking about. Uh, In my own career, I've been lucky enough to work with lots of different photographers, and I've learned from them. In fact, as I sit here recording this as a a letter on my desk from Jean-Luc Cieff from 1998, 
which instantly uh, reminds me of, of what I learned from him um, being on a shoe and how to work. But there were words of wisdom that he passed on that, that remain with me today. A true expert. And I suppose really where, I, where I'm coming to this from is, is it possible? I put out a question. This is not a statement. Is it possible to be an expert within the creative industries on something you've never done? Is it possible to be an expert on something you have no actual practical knowledge on? Can you teach travel photography, for example, if you've never really uh, explored that area of work um, in great detail and, and face the trials and the tribulations? I don't think anybody can really look at a portfolio with true, true empathy without having done that themselves, gone out with a portfolio, opened their heart to be judged, stood up on that pedestal and put themselves in that position because until you know what that feels like, true empathy is very difficult to come across and exactly the same thing for me with experts. Um, be an expert if you've done it. But please don't put yourself as, as forward as an expert just because you think you know what the truth is. Talking of experts, I was recently, uh, as I spoke in last week's podcast, given an award. I wasn't given the award. I picked up the award uh, for the course in which I lecture on the photographic course. And the awards was held in a professional photographic uh, camera shop, a large one in central London. And I found myself feeling slightly uncomfortable in that space and, and realising that I haven't been in a camera shop for years. And in fact, so long ago that I can't even remember when it was. Um, I bought the occasional piece of kit online, but that actual experience of going into a camera shop filled with glass cabinets of expensive uh, trinkets, photographic trinkets, was a strange experience. And then I found myself standing with four other highly experienced um, photographers who also teach on photographic courses. And I, I put forward the question, when did you last buy a camera to these people? There was some silence and some rubbing of chins and some thought and some concentration. And two of the four people present answered that they had bought a camera they thought a few years ago, maybe three years ago. And they bought a, a Fuji, uh, one of the X series, I presume. Uh, not, I have real no I have no real interest in cameras at all, so I'm, apologies if that's incorrect. Um, but anyway, so they bought these um, cameras as a, a snapshot camera, and now found that that camera had been superseded by the phone, and they they were using their phones, uh, an iPhone and a Huawei phone as a replacement for those Fuji cameras. And that's interesting to me because here we are talking about four people engaged with the medium on a daily basis, teaching, lecturing, and uh, in the case of, of two of us, still working as commissioned photographers. The other commissioned photographer said that he was still working with his Canon 5D Mark II and that did everything it needed for him on his commercial shoots. 
I sort of shocked him by saying, I still work with my Canon original 5Ds when I'm shooting for magazines and when I'm shooting for a range of different clients because the camera does everything I need it to do and I keep it very well serviced through Canon themselves and it's never let me down in... It must be now I would have bought those cameras in 2006, I think. So we're looking at 14 years that I've been working with those digital cameras. Now, I'm sure a lot of you listening um, will may, may well chastise me for this and say, well, yeah, but you, you haven't got the ISOs. You haven't got this technical ability or that technical ability. And I'm sure that's true. However, it does the job for me and it does the job for my client. The rest of the time, all of my other cameras, and over the years, as we all do, we we garner camera bags and cameras, they, they lay dormant. They lay sitting, keeping clean, not being used. And I keep saying to myself that at some point I should have a clear out and an eBay sale. And I have done that for, for some of my cameras. But the rest still kind of remain there. I wonder when the last time was that you bought a camera. And I wonder why you bought that camera. I wrote uh, a little bit about this. And I notice nowadays that less and less people, when they're posting images online are making a point of saying this was taken on an iPhone or this was a a smartphone photograph. It is an image and it remains as an image. Whatever uh, piece of equipment, whatever camera that image was created with. We don't stop and ask a novelist or a writer what type of pen they used or did they use a pen or a pencil or was it what type of laptop or what type of computer did they use or what kind of software we we don't ask these questions we accept the image or the 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 written piece i should say as for for what it is we don't make those judgments based on the equipment which was used to create that piece of work so why is it as photographers that we feel that need to place a tag on an image almost an apologetic tag to say don't judge this too severely it's just a snapshot just taken on a smartphone to me it doesn't matter to me the camera is of no relevance What the camera allows us to do is it allows us to explore its functionality. And in doing so, if it then opens up further doors of creativity, that's absolutely fantastic. But we shouldn't make a judgment on the finished work based on the piece of equipment it was created with. We can't say that an image created with a 10.8 plate camera is any more important or serious than an image created with a smartphone. I go into this in a lot more detail. You can probably tell I'm quite passionate about this particular subject. I guess it's because I don't come from a photographic education. I come from a graphic design education. So again, within graphic design, I would use whatever tool was appropriate. And photographers often talk about this. What is the right camera for the moment? 
the camera you have with you. And increasingly, that is something that it, it is the smartphone. And as I was, I was going to say, this is something I go into a lot more detail about uh, in my uh, book, New Ways of Seeing, um, which is out uh, next next year. And I'm not going to use this as a plug every uh, week for that book, but I do feel it will be a book, well, it is a book as it's written, that deals with a lot of the issues that photographers at the moment are still not yet fully addressing. If you are a regular listener to A Photographic Life, by now you'll have got used to uh, the weekly contribution from various people engaged with the photographic medium uh, with the maximum of five-minute audio where I ask people to send me a little piece of audio just created on their smartphone in which they describe what photography means to them. I Personally, I'm finding it hugely enriching, inspiring, informative, and really making me question a lot of things as well. I hope you feel the same. If this is the first podcast you've um, come across, then I really do uh, encourage you to go back through the previous podcasts and check out some of the great people and the very varying um areas of work that they cover that we've included over the previous weeks. This week, I'm really excited to say that um, we feature Laura Beltranvilla. Laura, I hope I've pronounced that correctly. And Laura is the project photo editor for NPR, uh, based in Washington. NPR is a national public radio in the States. And um, she's also the founder of Native, the Native Agency, which is a non-profit platform dedicated to the promotion and development of visual journalists from underrepresented regions and communities. As always, um, Laura's input as previous weeks, and I'm sure uh, weeks to come, uh, is informed and interesting. And well done, Laura. You got it in just under two minutes. Hi, this is uh, Laura Beltran, Villa Mizar, and... I'm going to tell you what photography means to me. Photography, for me, is a universal language that is both timeless and timely, and it can be personal and universal. Um, it's a language that can educate, that can move audiences all over the globe, that can make us stop for a second and look um, and see and really analyze what we what we've got in front of us. It can bear witness to things that we've never seen or we've never gone through. Um, it asks questions instead of just giving us a specific answer. Uh, photography is also this art and a means of communication which can draw to our attention things that we might have otherwise have missed. Kind of like this steals the beauty of daily life, uh, simple things, shadows, lines, objects, hands. Um, it costs our attention moments in time or events and people close to us, but also at, 
at a great distance from from our own parts so people that we've never seen events that we will never have experienced or have gone through and by doing so we learn about ourselves we learn about the world uh, we learn about the past we learn about the present and by seeing patterns we definitely um, can learn about the future it questions our moment and place in time and how we relate to that specific moment, that specific person, that specific place or that specific thing. So it's a way in which we can relate to ourselves, we can relate to the other, um, and we can relate to a place or thing in time. Um, a good photograph will ask more questions than that it, you know, gives answers to it's a photograph you know it's a secret about a secret um and it's a way to tell stories um whereby we learn more about who we are where we are at this point in time it's basically um the universal the universal language of our era Thanks for that, Laura, and thanks very much uh, for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please spread the word. Please uh, follow us on Twitter at UN of Photo. Follow us on SoundCloud, and you can also listen to these podcasts via iTunes. Quite often, there are articles that I may have written which uh, may be relevant to this particular podcast. There is uh, one concerning cameras, which is also relevant to some of the things I was talking about earlier. The links for these will always be on the uh, UnitedNationsOfPhotography.com website. Uh, the post for the podcast will always have a series of links uh, below it. So if you are listening on SoundCloud or on uh, another platform such as iTunes and you can't see those links, please just go to the UnitedNationsOfPhotography.com where you will be able to find the links to things that I've talked about uh, to find further kind of discussion points. So that's about it really for this week. Uh, hope you have a great week coming up and uh, see you next week.